everyone, and welcome to Cocktail Culture with Citywide Liquors. My name is Daniel, and this week we have on with us Eric Timmerman, the National Sales Manager of Three Badge Mixology, um, handling a lot of different liquor brands. We're going to talk about those today. Eric, how's it going today? Doing well. How are you? How are you? Awesome. I am doing well. Looks like you're on the road. Where are you at today? I am. I'm actually here in uh, beautiful Seattle, Washington, right up by Lake Union in downtown Seattle. Oh, wonderful. It looks really sunny. What's the, uh, what's the temperature like out there? It is, where is the temperature? It's about 50 degrees. And actually, nice. believe it or not, it is, it is, it doesn't always rain in Seattle. There's actually been three days of sun. Wow. Surprisingly enough. Yeah. So. That is awesome. It's got a, let's say, rivaling Indiana currently. Somehow we're in a heat wave as well, but it's that, that it's a beautiful thing. Right. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's get a little bit into you. How, uh, what brought you to the spirits industry originally and how long have you been doing it? Uh, it's actually an interesting story. When I was in high school in, in Illinois, I worked in a grocery store. And to work in a liquor section in Illinois at the time, you had to be 18. So I was 18 and I was I was stocking beer and wine and placing orders. So ironically enough, I started in this industry when I was 18 in Illinois. <laughs> uh, I bartended a little bit in college. I went to Butler University and bartended a little bit in college. Right awesome. out of college, I ran a liquor store, 21st Amendment. Yeah in Indianapolis. And then in 1998, I went to the distributor side with Olinger at the time, which then became Glacier and now part of Southern Glacier. Mm -hmm. In 2009, I switched over to the supplier side. And so really, I've been doing this almost 30 years, surprisingly. Yeah, definitely. You've I'm sure seeing a lot of uh, evolution of the industry and how things have like, I mean, just just the whole boom of like craft beer, wine, and spirits in general has to be just a huge shift. It is. It's interesting. I, I look back sometimes and I look at the brands that were available in the 90s, and then you kind of look at the transition into 2000 and, and really where we are now. And, and there certainly has been a beautiful evolution in the industry in terms of what's available. The quality levels have certainly elevated to, to an unbelievable level. And I think from an offering standpoint, that's the beauty too, is there's so much choice. But yeah. with that choice, obviously, comes how do you navigate that choice? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Exactly. That's, I, I definitely want to get into that a little later for sure. But so for you, um, yeah, I saw you snooping your LinkedIn profile. I saw that you, uh, you, you, you know, formerly CEO of Fuzzy's Ultra Premium Vodka and Spirits. Uh, so just championing one brand, I mean, one brand, mm -hmm. multiple spirits. But how do you then go from doing that to then wanting to, uh, I wouldn't say, I guess step laterally, but still uh, handling more uh, like different brands. Like how, um, what made you want to do that? And how do you feel that differentiates? Well, I think when you look at really having one skew in particular and really then going to a company like Three Batch where we have multiple offerings, it really obviously gives you variety for lack of a better word. And I think there's opportunity in terms of obviously cocktail opportunity, when you look at the portfolio we have at Three Badge between Uncle Val's Gin, Kirk and Sweeney Rum, Asoti Tequila, Bolzal Mezcal, Benjamin Chapman Whiskey, La Pivone Vermouth, you know, there really is such variety. And again, Fuzzies is a great brand, loved it, had a lot of fun there. We did a lot of great things with Fuzzies, had some exceptional growth. Uh, after that, Kasasha and Vodka with Amberbev, and then Three Badge, obviously, now. So, I, I've been blessed. I really have. I've worked in every avenue of this industry from the retail side to the distributor side and the supplier side. And, and I think that's the, the great thing about the alcohol industry is there is a, a constant evolution across the board from all the different aspects. 
And the other part is the learning piece. I think with this industry, it's a never ending learning process and you always have to keep learning. You always have to keep moving forward. And I think that the day that you stop learning in this business is really something where you kind of have to look back and reflect about whether or not you want to be in this business. Right. Right. Definitely. Yeah. It is, it is constantly educating yourself on like, especially when, you know, you're handling the the more like craft side of it too, because you kind of have to be able to talk to customers about that because you have customers asking questions about like, how does this, you know, how does this mezcal differentiate from this? How is cachaça different from rum? You know, you're doing those things and you're like, you kind of have to be able to speak to that, even though it's like, okay, these are distilled from similar plants. But that being said, <laughs> this is the yes. aging process, those things. It's definitely, it's it's top-down education. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Oh, what, so what all uh, products are included in your portfolio currently? So Three Batch Mixology, uh, we're actually owned by the Sebastiani family, which I'm sure you're familiar with Sebastiani Vineyards and Wineries. So August Sebastiani is fourth generation Sebastiani. We have basically Uncle Val's gin, Kirk and Sweeney rum, Fasote tequila, Bolzal mezcal, Benjamin Chapman whiskey, and La Pivone vermouth. And we've got some, a few innovation brands that, that I'm sure we can touch on later on that are in the pipeline as well. Yeah, definitely. Say, so I just actually uh, first. I think we're this week. We're finally premiering the La Pivone and the Benjamin Chapman in our store. We're finally getting them in, and that like. That was some of the most, I don't know, unique vermouth I'd ever tasted, I would think, where it's just like, I don't know, it was it was almost like a vermouth like I kind of want to sip on its own, where it just like tasting, it's just really complex, it's really floral, it's like, I don't know, it's different than anything I'd tasted before. It is, it's actually amazing, and when you think about vermouth as a category, obviously a sipping vermouth is not something that comes to mind in the U.S., Right. but in Spain, it's culture in Spain. Gotcha. So when you look at vermouth in Spain, they actually have something called La Hora del Vermouth, the vermouth hour. Where in Madrid, for example, they'll go into a vermuteria where they have vermouth on tap. And you literally have a glass of vermouth and you'll sip it and then have some yeah. conversation, a little bit of tapas and, and go back to work. Yeah. So, and that's what we're trying to bring with La Pivone is, is really that culture and that identity. Mm-hmm. And ultimately a liquid that, to your point, is, is absolutely delicious. You could absolutely sip on La Pivone neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes a great spritz. But then also when you look at it with an, in, in you know, correlation with the rest of our portfolio, it, it pairs very well with Uncle Val's and a Negroni. You can make a great Mezcal Negroni with the Bozal. You can do a fantastic Manhattan with Kirk and Sweeney and Benjamin Chapman. So there certainly is versatility with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, that it it was, I don't know, it was, it was like anything I hadn't tasted prior. It was, it was really, I was like, this this is vermouth. I had to read the bottle a little bit, but it was, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, definitely. Um so that being said, like, um, like you do represent multiple brands of gin mm-hmm. from like, uh, you know, mezcal, all these different tequila. How are you? So, I mean, in a store like ours, where each of those sections, we have minimum 30 to 40 different brands where people are coming in and they're set, you know, and all in different price points. And, um, so like people will call us on the phone and say, what mezcal do you have? I'm like, well, do you want me to name 50 different things? Because <laughs> it's, it's like, I go down the list, but how do you differentiate, uh, when you're telling the people about your products, how are you differentiating that, uh, versus other products on the shelf? Well, I, I think you look at our portfolio and really, uh, first off, I think the word, I know you like, like to use the word craft and I, and I think <laughs> the challenge with the word craft is it mm-hmm. gets a little ambiguous in terms right. of what craft right. really is anymore True. we really look at our portfolio first and foremost as artisanal yeah. and then secondly it's about affordable luxury you know I think you look at our entire portfolio we want to have the best price 
in the best package with the best product in the bottle. Mm -hmm. And so for us, that affordable luxury is really something we strive for. And when the consumers have so much choice, obviously, to your point, it's, it's how do you navigate those categories? And, and obviously, we shop with our eyes. We see a package that, that draws us to the shelf and we look mm -hmm. at it. And when you look at all of our brands, we certainly have exceptional right. packaging first and foremost. Definitely. Uh, and then the second thing, obviously, people look at price. And, and when you look at our portfolio, again, we're not the highest price product on the shelf. We're not no. the lowest price product on the shelf. We try to be something where if someone sees a Mezcal, for example, they look at the Balzal package like, wow, that ceramic bottle yeah. is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And then you look at the price and you go, wow, for $99 necessarily. No, I can't do that. But right. if it's $45, you can certainly gravitate towards that opportunity to taste it. And then ultimately, when you look at past those two things, those two things obviously get someone to look at the package and try it. But if you don't have the liquid in the bottle, mm -hmm. they're not going to come back to it. And I think where we excel and more than anything else is, is what we have in our packaging. So the product itself, there's nothing in our portfolio that's rated 90 points or below. Everything is basically 92 points and up. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel that way about certain brands where, uh, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, this is a fun bottle, but how much am I paying for the bottle versus how much, you know, and the, the wooden <laughs> exactly. box this comes in. But that being said, and it doesn't always match, you know, what happened, you know, how the bottle looks. But, uh, you know, that's one thing we can definitely tell people whenever we're selling your products is that it's like, yeah, it, it's not just a cool bottle. Like the, the product inside definitely <laughs> matches the look for sure. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, the Bozal bottle is, is a very nice paperweight. Um, and, and you're obviously, you know, and for the, for the quality of the product, Mezcal, I, I think ultimately I, I love all of our brands. Mezcal is kind of my, my favorite child, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, just because really the process, number one, what it takes to create Mezcal. But when you look at the Bazaar package, it, it's interesting. We have people reach out to us all the time saying, hey, can you just send me the empty bottle? Well, well no, we're not going to do that. We want you to enjoy the liquid first. Right, right. Yes, they make great water bottles. They make great bases. But at the same time, you should really enjoy the Mezcal first. Right. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, they, they are exciting to look at for sure. It's, it's some of the, the same with the Kirk and Sweeney bottle as well. Just yes. that like big round bottle, the, the kind of the gold top. It's, it's yep. incredible. We love it. Uh, so as, okay. So I, I will shift my language to say uh, artisanal spirits and as. No, no, as no, you, you don't, you don't have to do that on my account. <laughs> believe me. I just, it's interesting though, when you, when you talk about craft spirits and I think there's a misconception in really not necessarily in the industry, but the perception of craft spirits. And I think anytime you go more than, you know, 3000 gallons, 4,000 gallons of production, you, you really aren't necessarily craft any longer. Right. But again, that, that's open to interpretation. And I don't want to necessarily put, it's my opinion, obviously. I, I just, <laughs> I prefer the word artisanal yeah, when, when yeah. we're talking about our portfolios. So. No, it definitely makes sense. And I guess I, me uh, primarily coming from the beer world and uh, it, it seems like craft, obviously a big word there, but also yes. uh, you see the goalposts being moved every year by uh, large brands like Sam Adams and whatnot who want to say, hey, we're craft. Um, how much money can I pump into, uh, you know, this, you know, whoever is, uh, you know, the American Home Brewers Association or the uh, Brewers Association to say what is craft technically, or you're like, it's 2 million barrels this year, but you know, maybe it's going to be 4 million next year. So no, I mean, I think, I think that's a good differentiator there for sure. Yeah. And then there's really no benchmark to, to use that word anymore. It, right. it, it, across, it crosses all categories. You know, you have a mass produced product that, that says, oh yeah, we're craft. Okay. Right. So what does that mean to you actually? What is that technically? <laughs> no, yes. that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. So um, as we saw, you know, probably the, the 2000, 
2010, 2012, we had the big bourbon boom, uh, you know, rye whiskey is popping up right after that. And I feel like there's a lot of contenders currently for what's going to be the next big spirits boom. You know, mm-hmm. you had, you had your big vodka brand, you know, Tito's kind of rose. And then, but now I feel like people are moving away from uh, like tequila and they're going to mezcal, but also like aged, well-crafted rum. People are yes. getting into that as well. Where do you think we're going to see the next influx, the next big boom? I think there's a, there's a lot going on. I think with obviously the pandemic, you've seen consumers really educate themselves a lot more. And and one thing I'll say, you know, looking back over my 30 years in this industry, you look at kind of where the consumer is in terms of their education. And I think really where we are today, the education level of consumers is unbelievable. And I think people are really wanting to know more about the spirits they're drinking. They want to drink better, which is that it's really a great place for all of us to be in when you look at our industry. And so looking at the next big boom, I think you're seeing things across multiple channels and multiple categories. To your point, uh, you know, rum's always been, it's going to be the next big bourbon. And, and really, when you look at Kirk and Sweeney, for example, we've seen exceptional growth over the last five or six years on Kirk and Sweeney to the point where we're seeing 25 to 30% growth year over year. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that for a brand like Kirk and Sweeney, the rum category for those bourbon and whiskey drinkers that can't find those allocations and those age statements, it's a great transition. And when you look at the liquid in the bottle, if you've got a well-crafted artisanal aged rum like Kirk and Sweeney, that is a wonderful story behind it. It, it certainly lends itself to crossover from that category. Mm-hmm. Tequila, you know, tequila, you look at where the growth is in tequila, the numbers are exceptional. I'm sure you've seen it in stores as well. Definitely. But I think people are drinking better tequila. You know, we, we, we've gone yeah. away from the Cuervos of the day, if you will. Right. People want a quality tequila. They don't want something that's inferior. And with Pasote, Pasote being an additive-free tequila, it's the number one rated NOM in Mexico by Tequila Matchmaker. And you're, you're getting people that really want to experience a better product. That's not something where you have to shoot it and, and suck a lime, unfortunately. <laughs> you want to savor your cocktail. Yeah. You don't want to yeah. have to just grimace and, and do a shot. Right. And I think that that evolution in tequila is ultimately leading to Mezcal being that next category that we see growth. You know, you look at the Bozal portfolio, of all of our brands, Bozal is really probably the fastest growing oh, wow. in terms of what we're seeing across the country and even across the world globally. Um, you know, Mezcal is such a unique spirit in terms of its history and its origins. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think tequila sometimes overshadows what Mezcal is in, in terms of what it is from a category standpoint. Yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot of... Uh... Like there's a lot of education on the retail side of like talking to people about tequila because they everyone had one bad tequila experience in college and we're just yes. also trying to you know even just getting them to step up like from from the Cuervo the Sousa something like that the lower end where it is you know we have to explain like this is not 100% blue agave spirits like Correct. you know where we're just like begging them please for yourself like at least just like <laughs> drink better it. tequila yeah, exactly drink better tequila but that's that's surprising to hear about was all how I mean how big it's getting for you guys because it is you know probably one of your more premium products in 
your portfolio. I mean, just just the brand in general, price wise, and then also, I mean, it, it's a it's a great it's a great product for sure. But um, yeah, like, and I think again, you know, you look at the portfolio though, and going to back to that affordable luxury, and you look at the right. Bozal catalog versus other competitive brand sets, that, that's and true. really, we are reasonably priced again when you're comparing, obviously, different species, different agave. So yeah, I mean, and that's you know, and mezcal in general is not there's not really an entry the entry level is 30 bucks still so you know on on the on the shelf so it's still not like a, a cheap uh category to get into in general depend you know depending on what people are looking into yeah <laughs> for sure yeah. well and, and again that, that's the thing with mezcal you know you've got really the it's interesting i look back again over my career and when i started in this industry there was really one mezcal that was monte Alban. Mm-hmm. And you, you look at Mezcal, and I remember as a sales rep being in accounts, people would say, I want that tequila with the worm. And you were kind of like, you mean the Mezcal? Uh, tequila doesn't have a worm in it. And, and, and really, Monte Alban was it. And we and I give credit to Ron Cooper of Del Maguey when he brought Del Maguey to the U.S. that really started the trend on artisanal Mezcal. And we really, you know, we wouldn't be where we are without him. And so what we try to do with Bozal ultimately is, is share that passion for Mezcal and try to find the unique varietals. You know, for us, there's a lot of Espadine on the shelf right now. And, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Actually, let me stop there. That is kind of a bad thing because it, it's, it's kind of like looking at wine and saying, all we have is Cabernet. Right. <laughs> when, there's, when there's so much more to Mezcal than just Espadine, which is why in our portfolio, we really only have one expression with any Espadine in it. That's our ensemble. That's, that's kind like of a, the, first, the blend, right, as well? Yeah, that's yeah. the ensemble of the Espadine Barilla Mexicano. And that's really the first step in the staircase. And you get into our single Magues, our sacrificios, and then ultimately our ancestrals, which are absolutely unbelievable in terms of the, the, the flavor profile. Uh-huh. And so you're going up that staircase. But, you know, you go back to a bad experience. And I think Mezcal, the problem with Mezcal in the U.S., is that people have had a bad mezcal. And when you say mezcal, there's this perception that it's this giant smoke bomb, right. which the, it, some of it is, don't get me wrong. Right. But a lot of it isn't a smoke bomb. There's so much complexity. There's so much diversity of flavor. And, and that's really what we try to capture with Bozal is we look at it much like wine. So obviously the Sebastiani family and their tradition and history in the wine industry mezcal is is really the closest spirit to wine you look at the different agave species they have different flavor profiles much like grape varietals you've got terroir coming into play in terms of flavor the palenques like wineries have different production styles the maestros like winemakers have their own unique you know footprint if you will on the mezcal and then really every batch is going to be slightly different much like a vintage so it, it really does correlate closely to wine i think you're seeing some of that success and interest in mezcal because there is so much uniqueness to the category yeah and i mean it's it's even um like for like i yeah i totally agree it's it's when it's it's the education side of telling people no like these are different you know types of agave that they're using i mean different uh you know different regions that they're growing in yes those kinds of things too and even you know it's not a terrible jump from people who are really into isla scotch uh, just being like, hey, if you're into that smoky flavor, like this is a jump for you that if you're looking for tequilas or if you're looking for, you know, agave based spirit, like check these out because you're already used to that profile. You already enjoy that flavor profile. It's it's just the next step for sure. It's 
you know, act. It, it is. And it's interesting you say that too, because, you know, we, we talk about mezcal and we talk about the different flavors. And as you get into some of our ancestrals, specifically the Castilla, you know, Castilla to me, when I'm explaining it, to, actually, I'm letting someone taste it first and I kind of want their feedback from a taste profile standpoint. One of the things we talk about is you get that, that sweet smoke like you find in a Highland Scotch, like a Macallan, for example, but then you get this briny, peaty iodine like you find in an Isla or a Space Side. People kind of go, wow, you're right. That's amazing. What, where's that coming from? And it's, it's almost this epiphany, if you will, of the flavors are, are so complex and you don't necessarily get that in tequila like you do with Mezcal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's just, yeah, like we said, people are looking for more and more flavor. People are looking, they're enjoying the artisan spirits because they want uh, to take that next step yeah. and not just, like you said, not just shooting it with a lime. They, they want to sit and enjoy their spirits. They want to, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, I feel like education is always uh, going to help, you know, your experience of anything. Like, if, if you know the reason behind it, you're going to enjoy it more, for sure. Um so uh, as you said, uh, as new brands, you you highlighted what uh, we have currently. Um, what do we have coming up soon? What do we have to look forward to in the future? Uh, so we're working on a, a new expression of Uncle Val's called Zested, which is absolutely fantastic. It's bergamot, orange, malted barley, coriander, and juniper. Oh, wow. And, and, and obviously, you look at the botanical line with the juniper, the cucumber, the lemon, lavender, and sage. It goes beautifully along those lines with those floral notes, but that orange really pops with the citrus. The malted barley gives it a great flavor profile. So that'll be coming later on this year. We have two new extensions to, to kind of help with our, obviously not, I shouldn't say help. We have two new extensions really to, to extend, if you will, our Mexican spirits with Satal. So we have two expressions of Satal in the pipeline. We've got some more Bozal coming as well. Yeah. So it's it certainly, you know, we, we're never really going to stop innovating when we look at what we have in the portfolio. We really want to continue to strive to expand the Mezcal category. Satal, I think, is going to be the next evolution outside of Mezcal. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're probably still five to 10 years out on Satal. Yeah. But I, I think you're seeing a lot of interest in that category. And I think when you look at how it matches up with Mezcal, it, it certainly is along those same lines as Mezcal. Yeah, I think, yeah, people are definitely, I know we're starting to, and we're just seeing more brands pop up that are available where before, you know, we'd have one. Now I think we have three or four on the shelf where it's just, and we're also seeing actually, you know, rather than just like a silver so tall, we're actually seeing some aged versions as well. So it's kind of nice adding a variety to the shelf for sure. And that brand. I'm more of a purist when it comes to aging kind of, agave spirits or you know satal obviously not being an agave but with our mezcal i'm more of a purist i think with mezcal you the minute you barrel age a mezcal you lose a lot of the nuance that makes right. mezcal mezcal so we don't have any barrel aged and hopefully knock on wood uh, we won't do that <laughs> again i'm certainly more of a purist there, there is glass aging not to go too far down the rabbit hole uh, but glass aging mezcal you, you get some great caramel notes and some oxidation with it Mm-hmm. that really doesn't take away from those unique flavor profiles, but it kind of adds a certain roundedness to it as well. Right. Definitely. I think, I mean, from what I understand, and if you do prize the smoke in a mezcal, it's like you kind of start to lose that as soon as you start doing any kind of aging, because it kind of Correct. will cover up some of those flavors. So that makes yeah, sense. And that's ultimately too, when you look at, you know, even Pasote, when you look at our tequila, you know, people often comment on our Reposado and our Añejo, 
and even our extra in Yeho, they look at the color and they're like, well, why, why is this so light? Look at Casa Amigos on the shelves. Um, and, and number one, we don't reach our barrels. We use neutral barrels because we're trying to be tequila, not our bourbon or whiskey. Right. And we're also not adding caramel, yeah. uh, which, which most people don't realize that there's brands out there that obviously add caramel to their tequila to give mm. it that dark color, which is something we're not a fan of. We want to be additive free. We want to be natural. And that's really what we are with Pesote. Yeah, that's, I mean, and I think integrity is as important as, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're selling the, the craft or artisanal product, like you want people to trust the brand. I think that's something too, uh, about like rum. Um, I don't know if there has been a change, but I remember at one point there wasn't exactly like a legal, uh, not necessarily say ramifications, but you know, where bourbon, scotch, whiskey, all in general, like you have to have like a hundred percent of what's in the bottle. If you put an age statement it has to do that. Whereas Correct. rum didn't have those exact specific definitions where it's like, if it's going to be a hundred percent in the bottle, like it doesn't, it can't have an age statement vice versa. Yeah. But you're, you're know, seeing that, but every country kind of has their own laws. Gotcha, currently. Yeah. You're starting to see the TTB adopt more of the European model where there is kind of a standard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're still a few years out on that. We're starting to transition some of our products on Kirk and Sweeney to, to really reflect that. But when you look at rum, I, I think it's interesting to note you know, we talked about what's next and, you know, you look at, some products on the shelf and you see a a number on a bottle and that number really doesn't necessarily mean what people think it does as it correlates to to whiskey. Right. Uh, Obviously you, if you have a Solera method, for example, Solera, that bottle isn't 23 years old. There's a couple ounces of 23 year in there, but it's not a full 23 years old. Like you'd expect from a Pappy, for example. Right. Right. Exactly. It's no, definitely. And it's just like the, the education standpoint on it. So Awesome. So Eric's, I won't keep you too much longer, but I no, do have to good. ask, uh, what is your favorite? Uh, so of, of all your brands, of all the cocktails you can make, what is your favorite cocktail to make with one of your products, with one of your brands? You can name a couple. <laughs> well, you know, when you ask a supplier that question, it, the response, will, they're all my favorites, number one. <laughs> I, everything's a priority. They're all my favorites. Definitely. But I, I think if I had to narrow it down, really, I, I think ultimately for me, one of my, I, I can't really call it a cocktail, because mezcal to me, I just drink it neat. For sure, for sure. And I drink it straight out of the bottle. To me, mezcal, any of the Bozal expressions really is what I typically gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it depends. But the, the, again, going back to the wine analogy, the beauty of mezcal is depending on where you are and what you're eating and what the temperatures are. If it's a nice day and I'm eating, you know, seafood, I'm going to drink our quiche, which has a great salinity to it, a great minerality. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to pick one, I would probably pick one of our Sacrificios Borrego, which is the, the, the complexity of Borrego with the animal protein and the fruits and the vegetables and the spices. It's, it's just delicious. The liquid's phenomenal. Outside of Mezcal, uh, Negronis are kind of my thing. So with, with any of the Uncle Val's, they go beautifully, like I said, with La Pivone. The botanical with the white vermouth the blanco vermouth if you will mm-hmm. makes a great white negroni with a little bit of Suze. you could do a traditional negroni with uncle val's restorative rojo and capoletti and then really the best one i think is a savory negroni with uncle val's peppered the rojo vermouth la pivone and then a little bit of chinar so oh, man. those all make some great <laughs> yeah it's, it's the peppered with the, the rojo and a little bit of chinar yeah ounce and a half of uncle val's peppered three quarters ounce of la pivone rojo and a half ounce of chinar yeah. unbelievable savory negroni 
Oh man, that sounds great. I love Chinar. I love cocktails with it. It just adds a. <laughs> yes. People say artichoke spirit. I'm like, no, no, no. It's you, you got it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and it could be overpowering, which is why we do the staircase For with sure. the Negroni, just to kind of keep that Chinar not from blowing out the rest of the flavor profile. Oh, definitely. Well, awesome. This has been amazing. This has been so great. I really appreciate you doing this. Eric Samer, no, you're most- three badge mixology today. Uh, hey, would you like to? Uh, what, what what do we have? Uh, anything to plug today? Any specific? Uh, people can go to your website or anything to see. Uh, yeah, you can you can check out the portfolio at www.threebadge.com, and obviously we've got a great affordable luxury portfolio, which is obviously available there at the right. store. So definitely, that's the best thing is, is come on down to the store, and and hopefully once things kind of change, we can do some in store tastings, so your yeah. customers and guests can really experience the portfolio. Yes, we've got a at our at our downtown store, uh, downtown South Bend, Indiana. We have a we're going to have a very large three badge display featuring all the brands we've talked about today, doing a big March Madness display. So definitely awesome. Well, we well, appreciate thanks. that. Thank yeah. you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate the time.